Big Fluff. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. I promise you. I will even learn to stop people from dying. Anakin. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. What's wrong, Annie? I killed them. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women and the children, too. They're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Lining Playback, the podcast where we revisit maligned movies and try to find a silver lining. Uh, and I, I have to say, you know, <laughs> when uh, that ancient curse was unleashed and you and I were, uh, you know, uh, forced to, to roam the earth doing this until, you know, we've paid our penance and... Uh, we are free men. Uh, <laughs> this is, you know, we're we're early in this, but this is definitely this one was a challenge. I will say, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to be fully honest that I'm really hoping that in talking about it, we come up with the silver lining because I'm, I'm I can't think of it right away. I think I have some ideas, but I'm not sure uh, off the top of my head what it is. Yeah, I, I would put myself in that camp as well. Uh, would you like to tell the people? The movie that we were talking about. Yeah, so continuing on from last week's episode, which hopefully you've listened to and, uh, you know, your longtime listeners and longtime fans now, we are uh, doing Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, not called the Clone Wars 2, which uh, that's a whole other thing. It's the worst title. Oh, yeah. my, right from the right from Jump Street. As soon as I heard that title, I was just like, ugh. There ugh. also isn't an Attack of the Clones in the no, movie not even a little bit <laughs> like if they called it like battle of the clones yeah. or the clone army or the clone war or yeah rise of the clone army like dawn of the clone army like there's a lot the of clone war begins yeah there's a lot of although calling episode two something begins would have actually been perfect for this franchise but 100 percent 100 percent but this this movie uh, we, we were talking about this a little bit before we started. I, I think you and I both solidly agree that this is the worst Star Wars movie that has ever been made. Yeah, I've heard there's like that animated feature length Clone Wars movie they released in theaters that's really terrible. <laughs> yeah, I haven't uh, seen it. I haven't seen it, so yeah. I can't speak to that. Um, that had like the Truman Capote-esque hut character that was really offensive. And yeah. No, I've heard of it, but I don't know about it. I haven't it. watched it. Yeah. So barring that live action yes, for sure definitely live action there's there's no 
no ifs, ands, or buts. It is far and away the worst. And we're going to break it down a little bit and see if we can find a silver lining. Yeah, but first, let's talk some shit about this movie. <laughs> um, the first two-thirds of this movie are almost utter garbage. They're, like, what... What is really striking to me about this franchise, and and we talked about it on the last one, but it hits home here too, is like things that if you said them out loud sound exciting are somehow not at all exciting in the movie. Like if you told me, oh man, this second movie, it's going to start with an assassin showing up to try to murder Padme and then like blows up a ship and kills her double well, who says, that, I'm sorry I failed you, and that was her goddamn job. Was yeah, to draw first of all, you away. succeeded. I don't know what you were told the job is. Maybe they gaslit <laughs> you into being <laughs> this double, <laughs> and you were led to believe that you were going to live. But no, you did a great job of making people think you were Padme. And getting yourself... I mean, you had to have known that risk. But it does fall... There's, so, there's a hat on a hat of, like, as much as I can understand... <laughs> This movie, Django Fett is hired to murder Padme, but he outsources it to a different assassin. Is that even what's so that, happening? <laughs> yeah, he, um, yeah, that's exactly what it is. He outsources it to that changeling one that decides I'm going to use two random murder slugs, murder pillars, we're going to call them because that sounds more fun than what they are. Yeah, well, you also get into the fact that maybe it's brilliant and George Lucas really was trying to, you know, take the piss out of the Jedi Order and show us that they actually pretty much sucked. But their whole, I'm going to use Padme as bait to flush out the assassin. And the, the way, like, it's almost dumb luck that they're even able to catch her up because she's nowhere near the murder snakes. She, and also yeah. her first attempt to kill Padme was to use an explosive. Like, there's no indication that like, it's not like, well, we know that she likes to murder close up. Like, she's shown that her tactics are all remote, you know, do not require. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. Ugh. So all of that. And then there's a really boring chase uh, that happens. She's a changeling, but that's not used in any interesting way. No, just the fact that she can change the way she looks. But she doesn't like, even really disguise. She just is has a face that she's using. It's not none of it makes any sense. No, and then like the death stick scene in the bar. Yeah, and like they had the like they had the chance to like really build out the world with like sort of the CD bar, and they really didn't. No, I yeah, also... Yeah, there were some sports on the screen, but, like, ugh. No, well, first of all, the bar, uh, if it's been a while since you've seen this movie, just to refresh your memory, the bar is an ESPN zone. That's where yeah. <laughs> they meet up. Uh, that was the thing that struck me, because I remember our silver lining for Phantom Menace was world building. Like, we really talked about, like, what a good job. And while if that's not all just thrown out in this movie, because in addition to space ESPN zone, we also get... A space 1950. Yeah, the space 50s diner? diner. What? Like, I was, I didn't remember that that was in this movie, and it made me so mad when it <laughs> happened because I was like, this is a 1950s diner. Like, what? Yeah, it's real bad. What is that? Ugh. 
What is, I can't even understand the justification of that. Maybe George Lucas like got. <laughs> Maybe he just mixed up his Indiana Jones and his Star Wars scripts because we were in a space diner in this one. And then in that last Indiana Jones movie that he made, there's aliens. So maybe, maybe yeah, he just mixed up they, pages. They mix some things around. Or it's like, man, he had this really great scene for American Graffiti and it just didn't fit in that movie. But he held on to it because the, the, the scripting was so tight. He's like, I'm going to use this one day. I guarantee it. Well, I think we can agree that it was a great scene. The, the <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so good. Oh, my God. This movie sucks. Just No, it's it was such a drag. There's nothing fun about it. It's not bad enough to be enjoyably bad. Uh, no. And that might be the worst part about it is like, it's just not good. No, there's a part where it rips off Star Wars in that, like, they fly through an asteroid field. <laughs> um, yeah. I also, I tried. Look, I sat there, like, you know, I think I said on the last one, but just, I watched these movies in the theater and then I've never seen them again. Uh, so it was rewatching this movie. I didn't remember a lot of it. I tried really hard to track anything that was happening in this movie. And I, the plot is nonsensical. Like, it's... We're still suffering from the same problem that we suffered in the last one, which is I couldn't tell you who the protagonist is in this. We're not following anyone specifically. Like, we're not it's, really invested. It's, it's closer to being Anakin? I guess, but it's as much Anakin as it is Obi-Wan, really. And Yeah. And neither one of them is very... Like, Obi-Wan is just wandering around basically yeah, he's just the, doing stuff he's just wandering around doing stuff i really tried to track the logic of how we ended up with a clone army and it's just a lot of dull nonsensical explanation of some dead guy ordered it 10 years ago except he was dead then but it was secretly ordered for reasons but like it seemed like yeah. it was done nefariously but it just seems to really conveniently help the Jedi and save them from having to have spent time making this army. Yeah. And the fact that like Django Fett, who is the basis of all the clones, I will say Tamora Morrison does a good job with what he was given in the movie. Yeah. Like he's he, fine. He's a good actor. Yeah. Um, I, Django like, Fett says, is a, garbage character <laughs> oh terrible absolutely terrible but like he gets the job from a man named tyrannus and like i think if you look at the credits you know that darth tyrannus and count dooku are the same thing yeah but like, i think it is never... said it's said in the the very end of the movie i did catch that because darth sidious like briefly calls him tyrannus once at like the last minute before the credits roll yeah, but like it's never revealed to the protagonists. No, no, they don't know. Well, and this is again, on the one side, our heroes, we don't know what they want. We don't know what they're doing. They they seem to be meandering a lot. On the other side, they're still they're doing this weird I say they, it's George Lucas. I don't know who else I'm throwing under the bus in this, but like Probably someone. Uh probably someone, but uh like the they're still playing this game of, you know, I don't know why they thought Lucas thought it was a good idea to 
be cute with the fact that we all know that Palpatine is going to rise to power. So he's still in the shadows a lot, and I don't know why. And then, yeah, like even Dooku, like they're just so you killed the great villain from the last movie that we all liked that you didn't develop either, but he just looked cool and Ray Park worked his ass off to make him something. You got rid of that guy, and then you basically just got the Lord of the Rings guy to do the same thing you did in Lord of the Rings to be like, I'm not evil, no, I'm evil. Like, right, yeah, it's. But you just make someone the villain and make them a clear villain. And then if it turns out that they're working at the behest of, you know, Palpatine, who's trying to seize all power. Well, that makes sense. But like, we need a clear villain. We need clear once from our heroes. <laughs> and I mean, we could we could trash this movie for hours. Yeah. Like literal hours, mm-hmm. um, but that's not what this show is. You know? No, that's not the show is looking for the silver lining. Um, is it the meme worthy, terrible acting job that Hayden Christensen does when he says like, "I killed them, women and children, like animals." It's ah, uh, so bad. I here okay. Since this is the silver lining. Uh, you know, podcast. Since we're looking for silver linings, I'm going to call for some justice to for Hayden Christensen because I'm not saying that he does a good job because he doesn't, but I think he is unfairly maligned in that. First of all, uh, you know, uh, Padme. Um, why am I blanking on her name? Natalie Portman. Thank you, Natalie Portman is not doing a good job acting either. <laughs> no, the n- nobody gives like an exceptionally good acting performance. Except Samuel um, L. Jackson because he's just being Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll I mean, he's not crushing it by any means, but I enjoy every second that he's around. Yeah. Uh and Ewan McGregor is hit or miss. Sometimes he like he's fine. He lands into something, but just as equally he's doing nothing. Uh, but no, I mean, George Lucas famously is not a good director of people like ask any of the original cast, like they all have stories and ask any of the people who worked on this movie. A lot of it, so much of it was CGI that is a lot of like acting to tennis balls and acting to nothing and having a director who is just not going to direct you emotionally. He doesn't do that. He's never been great i mean mark hamill turned out to be an amazing actor but you don't necessarily get that in that original trilogy (laughs) like and even with mark hamill like i will say like he does a really good job in uh last jedi but how many other good on-screen performances does he give you know i mean he doesn't get cast a lot there's some of the best vocal performances there is a movie called Brigsby Bear that if anyone ever gets a chance to watch it, it's Kyle Mooney made it. And I really love Mark Hamill in that. And I know he's done some other on-screen stuff. Like, he he has some, But you're right. I mean, he's primarily voice acting is definitely his thing. But point being, yeah, look at how good Mark Hamill is in Last Jedi versus how he's in the original trilogy and how much more defined Luke is in that movie. So... I I just don't want to pile on to Hayden Christensen, especially on this podcast, no, because like I don't think it's definitely fair. Not. You know, we and never was, got these were some of his first movies. There's some of his first movies. He probably wasn't given a lot to work with. Uh, I also just what we're at it. I think that that scene really does a disservice 
to him. And again, I think it's another example of this movie trying to be too cute of when he slaughters the the sand people. That's the first interesting thing that happens in the movie in terms of like, yeah, we know that he's Darth Vader. Like this is foreshadowing, not even foreshadowing because he's murdering people. But it's like this is really the first glimpse of who he will become. And it's very quick and not really like the choice to cut away very fast and then have him, as you kind of pointed out, woodenly explain to Padme like what happened. First of all, it, it doesn't work emotionally in that. But also imagine if we had seen it. Imagine if we saw like women trying to run away from him and him like yeah. not letting like go dark. Like, yeah, go for it. I will say uh, I think. In her very tiny role, uh, Pranella August as Shmi Skywalker, I think she does a good job, like, dying. Yeah. Like, that's a decent performance. She, she dies real well. She dies good. Yeah. Um I also, I, <laughs> you, this is, we don't need to get sidetracked into this, but I was very confused rewatching this, too, of, like, so she gets remarried, and, like, Owen and Baru are, like, her half, you know, what is it? Owen is like her stepbrother, right? Because his dad. Owen's her stepson. Stepson. Sorry, that's what I mean. He, Anakin's stepbrother is what I mean. But yes, uh, Owen. So he, but like he raises Luke, but Luke is a sky. I'm very confused. What are their last names? Do they have last names? Lars. Lars. Okay. It's Owen Lars. I guess it is. So that's the explanation. But he's still raised as Skywalker, even though he's hiding from his dad. <laughs> and he's living exactly where his That's, dad last saw him. <laughs> that might be the single biggest like prequel plot hole in the whole thing. Yeah, because like Owen and Brew didn't move. Okay, so yeah, you're all right that their last name is Lars. Now I'm remembering that that you're saying that, but like, so they raised him as Luke Skywalker. They didn't change his last name, and they just raised him on his home planet at the spot well, yeah, that you would start looking for him. Honestly, if you. To be fair, uh, Darth Vader didn't know his kids existed until uh, Luke attacked the uh, Death Star, until the Death Star whole thing, on the Battle of Yavin. But they're in hiding from him. Right. But he knows that Padme is dead, is never told that the children survived, so I'm sure he assumed that they were dead too. Sure. We'll go with that. Let's go. I, it's the best I got. Let's, okay. let's put it that Can way. Can you answer this one for me? Because this is another thing that bothered me about the stuff on uh, Tatooine. Is, so there's a whole thing where we bring back the, uh, uh, what is it, Watu? Like he, Watto. Watto. He comes back. Uh, and there's this cutesy scene where like he doesn't recognize uh, little orphan Annie. Uh, who's returned. Uh, Annie? Little Annie? <laughs> but here's what gets me about that. Standing next to Anakin Skywalker is Padme, who he knows. And there is, and she looks exactly the exactly same. Exactly the same. <laughs> and, I, like, I got nothing. <laughs> I, I, I got... <laughs> I got absolutely... Maybe that little uh, doughboy hat he was wearing was blocking his vision. I, I did love... I, you know what? This is a potential silver lining. Put a pin in this one. I love that their way to show that time had passed for him is that he bought a hat. <laughs> <It's> a plus. <laughs> yeah. 
so good. No, he's different now. <laughs> he has a hat and a little more chin stubble. I also, sorry. After one more, a decade. One more thing, and maybe you have an explanation for this, and, and maybe, I don't know, there's extended universe novels that explain it, but this falls to the same uh, sort of plot contrivance that they do with Han Solo in Empire, which is... Anakin, like, ten years have passed, and presumably he has never once tried to go back to get his mom until right now when she dies. In much in the same way that, that Han had years to pay off Jabba and just didn't. Because he was busy fighting that rebellion, you know? <laughs> Which is, but, the, to be, again, to be fair, um, the... Timeline for uh, Han was a lot shorter because I think Empire takes place like three years after the Battle of Yavin. But if you had a bounty on your head, I, I'm not defending. I'm just saying <laughs> by comparison. Um, and then so then I think there, there's another year after between Empire and Jedi. Yeah. So that takes them a year to break into Jabba's palace and save him. <laughs> Um, well, you know, Luke had to get used to the metal hand, I guess, the robot hand. Uh, I just, hmm. Um, I just, this is, I think, I think this is another major flaw in the movie. Um, but I've been watching the Clone War series. Okay. On Disney plus, and it's great. It is, you know, after, since I already said nice things about uh, Hayden Christensen, I will say I started watching the Clone Wars. Uh, I'm on like the second season of it. And the guy that they have voicing Anakin sounds a lot like Hayden Christensen, but <laughs> it threw me off because I now associate his voice with Anakin. And I was like, oh, Hayden Christensen sounds like that guy, but wouldn't. Yeah. Um, which I think like. I know we've had this conversation over mozzarella sticks at one point or another, but the prequel trilogy just didn't tell the right story. No. Yeah. We've said it a million times. They, they don't focus on anything interesting. I mean, what we want to see is, you know, Anakin Skywalker becoming Darth Vader. And for some reason they shoehorn that into like the last 20 minutes of the last movie when you I would have pulled that trigger at least in the second movie if not sooner I mean I think I think the end of the second movie is is like when he should have like res, like resigned himself to the Sith yeah and then have and then have a little bit of mystery in the third movie like someone's killing Jedi oh my god it's Anakin yeah like, well, and have that be the reveal or something but again but, they this, they don't have a good track record with these reveals and like payoffs in this yeah to begin with but no i mean phantom menace has no point uh in terms of like advancing the story none except that anakin and padme meet but that doesn't really matter and you could have explained that when they meet again this movie is you should, i mean that elevator ride in the very beginning is enough backstory it's like no, that's what I'm i haven't if seen you her in years yeah you could have started with the clone wars first of all we all want to see like if Imagine Star Wars Episode One: The Clone Wars, like as just a pitch, and yeah. and get rid of a lot of the cutesy, you know, whatever's going on with 
Obi-Wan of just they have a clone army and it's going against the droid army and it's the end of the Jedi's relevance. And also okay. So listen to this as a pitch, even though this is not the show that we're doing. <laughs> episode one, the Clone Wars. You call episode two the Phantom Menace, because now this the title could mean something. Yeah. And then you still have Revenge of the Sith as yeah. the third title. That works a lot works. better. Yeah, and um, and Darth Vader becomes he, even if he's not in the suit, by the end of the second movie, he is emotionally Darth Vader. And then maybe Padme lives longer and you do a whole movie where like she's terrified of him and hiding with Obi-Wan. And he's convinced that that means that Obi-Wan is stealing his girl. And like, you know, that's what the third movie is. Right. That's at least a thread in the third movie, a through line or something. And she's clearly pregnant and maybe has the kids you know, earlier in the movie. And then it's really this race to like hide the kids from him. And I think like, Owen Lars should have been a big character in the prequels. I'm just going to say it. Whoever he is, it it feels like they forgot that they needed an Owen Lars to exist. Like Lucas just missed that. and was like, Oh fuck. Um, I don't know. Here he is in one scene, I guess. And, like that's him it's and you know who else i think should have been a character in the prequels is grand moff tarkin oh grandma tarkin the cgi creepy one from rogue one but like no i i know you mean but but like like, they should have had a younger actor like they should have had him and maybe he's like one of the central antagonists and it would have made sense because yeah maybe tarkin like we see what tarkin was like in the republic you know and just sort of he's facilitating you like i mean there's really this idea in this movie of there's a wag the dog you know insurgents going on in order for palpatine to seize power but we're not like it somehow isn't landing like it's just not registering in the way that it should in a way that's interesting that's the thing is like there's so many interesting things that happen that aren't interesting the way that they play out in these movies I'm going to say maybe so. I think it was nice that they threw in a level from Mega Man 2 in the movie. Like, I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, what is? Are you talking about the end when they're on the conveyor belts? And like, yeah, like right before is, they get kidnapped. It's, it's, what is, it's a Mega Man 2 level. What is all of that? And also, you know, I'm not telling John Williams how to do his, his job, but you really should have replaced that music with that. Bum, 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 ba-dum, ba-dum, bum, bum, <laughs> A little powerhouse, yeah. Yeah, that would have been good. No, but there's um, there's straight up wackiness happening. happening. Oh, it's bananas. Yeah, and I like there. I also I straight up forgot. Like, if you had asked me before I started this movie, I would have sworn to you that it ended in the gladiatorial pit. And there is legit another twenty minutes after that scene, which is insane to me. Yeah, I I will say. From a turn your brain off and just watch action perspective, from when the like gladiatorial arena starts until Dooku gets away is a lot of fun. Is it? I think it is. I think is like, it? <laughs> you can raise your voice as high pitched as you want, but look, um, I'm excited that George Lucas saw the movie Gladiator and went, "What if I did that, but not well executed?" And like, that's a fun pitch in that like. 
that sure is gladiator for some reason, but not particularly like I, I said this in the last show and I'm going to come back to this. Avengers movies have spoiled me for how good the Russos actually are at executing large scale battles where we track characters and are yeah. emotionally invested. And there's a lot happening in that gladiatorial arena but not the only part of it that i again really got excited for and maybe this is a potential silver lining was when mace windu beheaded jango fett that was awesome that's great yeah um like it was cool to see mace windu be a badass mf and jedi i don't think there's enough of that in these movies by the way like just you cast samuel l jackson like as a bit player as a bit player when He's clearly what's working the best in this movie. Yeah. And he criminally is underused in all of these movies. 100%. Yeah. Um yeah, it's <laughs> Like I would say but I'm saying purely from uh like turn your brain off, watch the action, watch the spectacle. Like the gladiator fight is cool. Like cool things happen in it. Um, eh. <laughs> I, I'm reaching, man. I know. Like, I think the the battle, like when the clone army shows up and they fight the droids, like there's some cool stuff there. I think the lightsaber fights at the end with Yoda are cool. That stuff, yeah. I mean, the the as much as I didn't remember them, which is really interesting. Those battles at the end are something, you know. Like seeing Doku like hand. Obi-Wan and Anakin their asses and then Yoda show up is it's pretty cool you know like that that works I mean I think that's that might be the best we're gonna get is I that also the, the fights I, were pretty cool I do love that Yoda seems to have a tiny lightsaber that it's like scaled to it's Yoda. proportional it's proportional that made me ridiculously happy uh to see <laughs> I, also just to nip just to go back to nitpicking I t- I was very amused. It, this was like pro wrestling levels of selling of the fact that Padme falls out of their ship as they're chasing after uh, Dooku. And there's a whole bit where Anakin really wants to like stop the ship and get her. And then we cut back to her and she's like laid out on the sand because she fell from a great distance into the sand. And the second one of the clones finds her, she just stands up and walks normally. Like, there is no selling of those injuries. (laughs) Like, she's just fine now. Yeah, she's okay. Also, people fall really far distances in this movie and are just okay. That's a new wrinkle in this one. Like, I I know Luke fell at the end of Empire, but he, like... Well, it's different planets, different gravity, you know. There was an effort to explain him, like, trying to grab onto things, and he does grab a hold of something like obi-wan falls for like stories and stories and stories you know out of a flying car and is caught by a different flying car and, and just it's fine it just is fine just lands gently somehow uh <laughs> so there's a lot of that <laughs> also is, is this Go ahead. Does Anakin drive a space Harley on the way to to fight <laughs> the saving his mom? That looked like straight up like it's a, a chopper, bike. but it looked way more like a chopper. Like we were he filming, did have definitely so- like the high handlebar. Yeah, it looked way more Sons of Anarchy than any speeder that we see. <laughs> yeah, that's. 
is the silver lining maybe that they realize that there's a lot of good material and it gave us the Clone Wars because so they're like, there's better stories to tell. <laughs> the Clone and Wars like, oh, TV show is the silver lining. <laughs> this, it's, it's, this movie is so bad. All right, well, so bad. Let me offer, I will tell you, do you want Molly's uh, silver lining? I would uh, love to hear Molly's silver lining. Molly's silver lining, which I, I don't think you and I are particularly well equipped to, to argue this, but I will say that it was very sincere, and she pointed it out, uh, that when she had seen these movies originally and rewatching it now, Padme's costumes are like made her ridiculously happy. She loves every way that she's styled in all of these movies, but particularly in this movie, Padme served I, some looks. I was actually going to mention that. Uh, yeah. I thought her costume design was, it was good. Um, I think it might have borderline unexploitive at points. Like yeah. her strategic tearing in the the gladiator arena. Yeah. Uh, and like the, the borderline dominatrix outfit she was wearing at night on Naboo in the thing. Hey, but, look, man, don't judge knights on Naboo. Like they get crazy. <laughs> oh, so those crazy Naboo knights. Definitely. <laughs> um yeah, I, w- I would say uh, the design was, the costume design was, especially for Padme, was great because um, they made her like not look like a princess and st- but still have like a little bit of a regal sense, but also like seem like a, a, the senator thing. And yeah, maybe that's it. That was really good. All right. I'm going to offer this because I, I was kind of hinting that he's my MVP anyway. What if the silver lining is that Samuel L. Jackson went to George Lucas and said that he wanted a purple lightsaber and George Lucas said like, no, like the Jedi don't have purple lightsabers. And he basically was like, I'm Samuel L. Jackson. Give me a purple lightsaber. And then later admitted publicly in interviews that the reason that he wanted, he likes the color purple, but specifically, and like for this final battle in the arena, he said the reason he wanted a purple lightsaber is because he wanted to be able to find himself in all of the crowd shots easily. And honestly, that might be the best line that we're going to get. Is that Samuel L. Jackson is is awesome. (laughs) Is that Samuel L. Jackson is amazing and basically made George Lucas give his character a purple lightsaber, which is great. Uh, and you know, we, he gets to use it in this movie to behead Jango Fett, the father of the most overrated character in all of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So that, Maybe? that's, that's what I got. <sighs> I mean, that's better than it set the stage for the Clone Wars TV show. That was real good. <laughs> <laughs> Also, um, what in the name of Wiley e. Coyote is going on with that fight between Jango Fett and Obi Wan with like failing jetpacks and heat seeking missiles? It is straight up a Looney Tunes like short when those two are fighting. Um, I will say, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's silly. Like the fight was cool, but it was. It's, it feels like Acme supplied the weapons in that fight. A hundred percent. Um, one other thing I will say is another sort of bright spot and I think is always a huge bright spot and something we didn't talk about for uh, Phantom Menace was the sound design. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and the sound, I think, I think it even, I don't feel like fact checking this, but I think Phantom Menace won Oscars for sound design. That's the level of detail you can always come to love and expect from, from our crack research staff. I don't feel like looking this up. Um, but like, if you think about like the pod race scene, like every engine sound different and distinct, like every pod had different and distinct sounding engines Mm -hmm. and they didn't, and it didn't sound muddled and it didn't sound like weird and like the sound design here like i thought one of the cool sound effects when um the asteroid chase scene uh the like sort of depth charges oh, the way they drop all the cool. sound out and that then that was cool boom, yeah um and then created inception in that moment so maybe that was you know inspired the inception sound it looks like it was nominated for sound mixing and sound editing but i don't believe and did, it but didn't win yeah Oh, well, I'm still, um, but I thought that was, that was, that was a silver lining, a really dope ass sound effect. Yeah, no, the, yeah, the, the sound, by the way, I don't know if you saw this is here. How about some, I will drop some knowledge, uh, for our show. They, the Academy actually came out and announced that they will be combining sound editing and sound mixing going forward and will just give a best sound Oscar. Which is good for me and I would imagine for a lot of us in that I was never able to remember which one was which between sound. Like I kind of vaguely understand the difference between sound editing and sound mixing, but I could never remember which one was which. Yeah, because isn't sound mixing is like creating the soundscapes and sound editing is, is applying how you, them to the film? I think it's something like that, but I, I always get confused on which one's which. But yeah, one is like creating the sounds and adding them and the other is like you know, putting them all together in, as like, a Cause I think, cause it's usually the same movies that are nominated for both. And it's it usually sense. the same guys, like the same people. Sorry. But like, yeah, no, it, it makes sense time. to combine them. Like I do get that. Um, you know, <laughs> okay. That's, so yeah, that's something. So let's, let's recap where we're at though. So we got, Padme's Samuel costumes. Jackson's a badass. Padme's costumes. Padme's costumes. Samuel L. Jackson is a badass who got a purple lightsaber and beheaded Django Fett. Um, sound. It's got great sound design. Um, I mean, you know. And it set up the Clone Wars. Set up the Clone Wars. And, you know, John Williams is just always hitting always it out of the great. park. You know. Always. I mean, his scores are always. So, that's I don't what think we... I don't think there's a... To talk about John Williams for a second... I don't think there's more of a consensus best at their craft than John Williams. Ooh, that dude, we could have a whole debate about that. I mean, I, I love John Williams and I think he's great. And I think uh, he's definitely the most awarded, but there are some great composers. Oh, I, I'm not saying there aren't great composers, but when you say name a great film composer, I, he's on everyone's at least top five list. I would imagine. And I, I don't, I'm, I'm just saying like, I don't think there's anyone that's as revered, relative to their craft the way john williams is as a filmmaker or as a film scorer that's true and i mean you could always argue i think john williams has probably saved more films with a good score than possibly any other composer and i don't even necessarily mean bad movies i mean you could talk about the fact that jaws had a shark that didn't work and the reason that the tension works is because of the music you know yeah Yeah. like that kind of thing and just how much he can elevate the work with good music. Uh, that guy's real good at what he does. Yeah, know. he's real good. Mm-hmm. 
He even made that space diner feel like something. <laughs> Did he? What do you think they served there? I think that was what was Java juice. <laughs> that I was think... one of the, that was a menu item because oh. the weird like sassy nurse bot was like, "Want a Java juice?" Oh, I you know look if we want to do a spinoff that is just you know the people I want to watch that, that Netflix. I want to watch that Disney Plus show. I would watch a Disney Plus show about like they're just really struggling to run a space nineteen fifties nostalgic diner, and you have the the weird plumber butt forearmed alien dax yeah your lead who's real good at looking at stuff i guess that's why we were there he's world weary and smart yeah and feels like he's from brooklyn somehow and (laughs) (laughs) and like someone erased a freaking planet from the jedi archives also someone erased a planet from the archives and then a small boy has to explain to our hero like, hey, idiot, maybe someone just deleted it and the planet's still there. And that never occurred to him. Is Obi-Wan not smart? <laughs> I mean, he forgot that he knew R2-D2. He's like, I never recalled owning a droid. Maybe there's, maybe we're missing out on like... <laughs> That's the secret subplot of the prequels is that Obi-Wan is not okay. <laughs> It's no, all those falls. It's that fall that gave him a severe traumatic brain injury. <laughs> Maybe that's what did it. <laughs> that's the underlying message. He hit this. his head really hard when he landed in that car. <laughs> oh, man. No, my plan is I'm going to just let Darth Vader strike me down. Then I'll be more powerful. No, you won't. That's not true. <laughs> You'll just be able to talk to Luke. You'll you'll tell be... him to not, you tell him to not use the computer when you're shooting the thing in the tr- <laughs> Oh, man. Well, hey. I think, we, I think we cracked it. We, <laughs> we did it. We figured it out. Uh, well, hey, man. Like, we're two-thirds of the way through this. Uh, one more yeah. of these, and our journey to the dark side will be complete. Is it only one more? Because we have, we talked about maybe going a little bit beyond that, but well, one more in these prequels for sure. In the prequels, that's true. There, so. there are definitely other Star Wars movies that we could be watching. That hundred percent. Yeah, one that uh, was as of the time you're listening to this recently released on uh, Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well. Uh, we- we still we don't have it. a sign off. I don't think we did. We come up with one. Not yet. Yeah. Nope. I don't think we did. Keep looking for your own silver lining. Yep. Hello, I'm Joel Murphy, and I'm Andy McIntyre, and this is Silver Lining Playback, the podcast where we revisit maligned movies and uh, my dog barks. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.com.